Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast. This is episode 405 for the eighth of TVs in a regular year. One day, I went to an exercise class in Manhattan. I think it was on a Sunday, and it was a really great class. Such a great class, in fact, that I got such a good workout and I was really sweaty after the class. And lo and behold, as I'm leaving the class, I get a text from my friend who says, I know this is really short notice, but uh, you're invited to my sister's wedding and it's in Philadelphia. Um, and if you want to come, we can pick you up. We're, we're driving through Manhattan right now and we can pick you up on the way to the wedding. So I thought about this for maybe a half a second. And I said to myself, well, this sounds like a really nice opportunity. Look at me. <laughs> I'm a mess. I just came from an exercise class. I haven't showered. I'm not wearing clothes that are suitable for a wedding. I have absolutely no way of getting clothes that are suitable for this wedding. And it's just too short notice. Also, you know, I didn't really know the friend's sister. You know, maybe if I if, if I was really close to this person, it would be a different uh, situation. I would re- respond differently. But I decided in that instance that it was just too short notice and I really wasn't prepared to go to a wedding right then. So I said no. What would you do? What would you do if you were in a situation like this where you hadn't showered, let's say, in a few days? You were wearing basically the equivalent of rags, you know, some kind of clothing you would only wear at home or maybe just to run out and take take out the garbage or something like that. And somebody spontaneously said, quick, you have to come to this wedding or you have to come to this fancy restaurant, right? What would you do? If you had the opportunity, most likely you would take a shower. <laughs> most likely you'd fix yourself up. You would change your clothing. And you'd probably have this moment especially if you didn't have a lot of time, of terror, like I did. Like, oh, wow, I cannot walk into the wedding hall. I cannot walk into the restaurant dressed like this, uh, my face looking like this. I I have to fix myself up. So this might sound like a really superficial, vain example, but spiritually, there's an equivalent to this as well. Spiritually, throughout our lives, we go through our, our lives down here, And our soul is put through a lot of schmutz, a lot of dirt. Unless you are a total tzaddik or maybe a benoni, as the the Tanya would define it, we all make mistakes. We all do things that dirty, quote unquote, our soul. Some to more of an extent and some to less of an extent. And then when it comes time at the age of 120, hopefully, or maybe even longer, uh, that our soul, it's time for our soul to go back home. And when our soul goes back home, this is sort of like the soul is going to this wedding hall or to this really fancy restaurant. And it isn't prepared because it's accumulated a lot of dirt throughout its time here. So it has to go through a cleansing process before 
coming home. This cleansing process is what people often mistakenly refer to as like a punishment kind of, whereas a better way to think about it really is a cleansing process. And there's different types of cleansing processes that the soul goes through depending on the type of filth it accumulated down here in this world. And this is what we're going to be talking about today. This is this is what we're going to be talking about is a vari- various types of ways that the soul gets dirty here in this world. Um, through our actions and how it needs to subsequently cleanse as a result. For context, we're going to be concluding chapter eight today of Likutea Marim. And the main focus of today's episode is really going to be focusing on speech, on the effect our speech has of, of, of an imperfect or less than ideal speech has on our soul. And there's various various different categories of this less than ideal speech that the altar is going to focus on, and we'll go through each one. So the first one has to do with um, idle chatter. So it's not necessarily forbidden speech. It's just sort of like unnecessary speech. And specifically, this is uh, this is talking about people who are not necessarily the smartest kind of people. They're they're kind of ignorant. So it, it's they're called amehaaretz. Um, in Hebrew, like the people of the lands, they're just sort of like the common folk, and they just kind of talk about stupid things, you know, uh, celebrity gossip, you know, things like that, let's say. So while it's not outright forbidden, the soul does have to go through a cleansing after it passes away because like, you know, the soul at home is very, very far removed from celebrity gossip, let's say, you know. Um, so what is this cleansing process? This cleansing process is referred to as Gilgula Bechaf Hakela or in English, the hollow of a sling. And this is spoken about in the Zohar, Parshas B'Shalach, page 59. So why is it the hollow of a sling? Like, what does that have to do? What, what, what does this have to do with this idle chatter? So the basic idea is that if you think about a sling, a sling kind of like, you know, it's going, uh, it swings you from one end to the other. If you're wearing a sling, let's say around your arm, it's like it allows, there's a swinging process to happen. So what's being swung is the soul gets swung from one extreme where it sees the world of truth. It sees reality as it really is. And then it's swung to the opposite extreme where it sees the stupid things that it talked about. So this is like a very jarring process for the soul. And it's very like, whoa, you know, like what is going on here? And um, and it, this is how it comes to this kind of rude awakening of the uh, the idleness of the speech that it, that it spoke. So it's sort of like we can think about maybe the equivalent of somebody um, what comes to mind is My Fair Lady, let's say, who My Fair Lady depicts uh, this woman, Eliza Doolittle, who's like this very low class woman in England with a Cockney accent. Uh, you know, she's very, doesn't dress very well. She's very dirty and everything like that. And uh, this man, Henry Higgins, kind of takes her and gives her like this makeover so that she can come into high society. So imagine it's like sort of like you have this extreme or, you know, again, on these like makeover shows that we've spoken about, like what not to wear. On the one hand, they see they like these people who have these horrible clothing taste you know they may not they most probably haven't even realized how badly they've been dress dressing until they're put on camera until you know the camera is actually on them and they show them like this is what you look like like do you realize that this is what you look like and then you see at the end what they could look like and it's like that extreme is this kind of swinging process and it's it's a very jarring rude awakening kind of process. So that's the first category. The first category is these people who are ignoring emissas. So they're not, it's not really, you know, 
they're, it's not like they're like very intellectually uh, high IQ kind of people and engaging in adult chatter. It's, it's sort of like this is the common folk and, and that's, you know, that's how they speak. This is how they speak. And so this is the cleansing process that the soul has to go through. And now the second category is people who actually speak forbidden speech. So what's forbidden speech? Forbidden speech is such things as which which are called litzanut or lashon hara. Litzanut is um, considered to be like scoffing or uh, like clowning or something like that. And, you know, not to make a mistake, like there is room for humor in Judaism and that actually can be a very holy use of humor. But this would be sort of like using humor in a negative kind of way, like to make fun of people, you know, things like that. And Lashon Hara is like actually speaking negatively about people, like go- like gossiping, speaking about people behind their, their back. So the, both of these things are things that we're actually not allowed to speak. So this is worse than the idle chatter because the idle chatter, it's like, okay, you know, celebrity gossip, I don't even know if that could be considered Lush and Hara because these celebrities are like kind of like in their own category. They're almost like not real people and um, they're also public figures. So it's a, it's a different kind of thing. But Lush and Hara is when you're actually talking about people that you, you actually know and the person you know personally and the person you're talking to knows this person personally. So in this case, in the case of this kind of forbidden speech, then this hollow of the swing is not enough. It actually needs more, the soul will need more purification in order to purify from this kind of speech. What else does it need? It needs to be actually descend into purgatory or in Hebrew, it's called Gehenom. And there, this in this purgatory place, in this place of Gehenom, the soul is going to go through an even more intense cleansing process. So again, if we think about like the imagery of like, um, you know, physical cleansing, it would be like somebody who like, you know, not only is just wearing bad clothing, but their skin is actually very dirty. They haven't taken a shower in a while. So they're going to need a lot more cleansing for this. Okay. Now the next category is somebody who is able to study Torah. So this is somebody who is more into, has a higher intellectual capacity, but yet they're involved with idle chatter. They don't involve themselves with, um, with, with Torah as much as they should. So in that case, they also, it's not enough for them to just do the hollow of the sling that would be uh, appropriate for the more like ignorant kind of people. Um, but they actually need, uh, they need a very severe punishment, which specific to neglect of Torah study. So there's, so, so first of all, Torah study is a mitzvah, right? We have lots of different mitzvahs and one mitzvah is Torah study. And neglecting to do a mitzvah is so it's not so mitzvahs have two aspects to them there's there's the uh ne- the prohibitions that we have to make sure not to do certain things but then there's also the positive commandments and there's a lot of positive commandments we have to do and if we neglect to do positive commandments that's also a problem that's also a sin and if somebody neglects to do a positive commandment then they have to undergo what's called gehenom shelik the purgatory of the snow why is it the purgatory of the snow? So snow is very cold, right? And so the punishment or the cleansing is very apropos the action. So if somebody, so there's there's two main type, types of purgatory. There's a purgatory of fire and there's a purgatory of snow. What's the difference? In the case of sins of passion, which is like when somebody goes against a prohibition and does something like out of lust or, you know, something like that or desire, then, uh, then the 
the cleansing that the soul would have to undergo is what's called the cleansing of fire, the purgatory of fire, versus in the case of a sin of neglect, which is like in this case, this the neglecting to, to, to be engaged in Torah study, then the purgatory is the purgatory of the snow because snow is cold. It's like if you neglect to do something, you're sort of like putting up this cold front of, uh, of abstention, right? So that's uh, in the case of somebody who has, uh, has the ability to study Torah, but yet instead they... D they involve themselves in stupid things and things that aren't kind of meaningless. The final category that the Alter Rabbi is going to mention is somebody who actually involves themselves with the the wisdom of the world of like philosophy, like non-Jewish philosophy. And this and being overly involved in non-Jewish philosophy is actually considered to be part of this Dvarim Battalion, part of this idle chatter. Um, and, and and because instead of using your mind to be involved in studying Torah, then the person is instead involved in learning non-Jewish philosophies. By the way, as a side note, a little bit of a tangent here, but I think it's interesting. So just the, the following of what I'm going to say was related to me when I was in seminary by Rabbi Bell. So that's my source for this, is that one day the, uh, the Belzer Rebbe came to the Rebbe. And he challenged the Rebbe about this idea that the the Rebbe was so into women learning Torah and uh, and really promoting women learning Torah. And not only just Torah like Chumash, but even Gemara. The Rebbe really pushed for women to study Gemara, which a lot of people don't realize that. And the Belzer Rebbe said to the Rebbe, like, tiflus, tiflus. Like, there's this idea that um, in the Gemara, it says that if you teach women Torah, it's like teaching them tiflus, tiflus, like teaching them foolishness, which is a whole discussion for its own, in its own right. Like, what does that mean exactly? and whatever. And the Rebbe, you know, gave a, a variety of different answers to the Belzer Rebbe uh, as to why it's so essential and important to teach women Gemara. There's actually a whole Sicha about this, which I, I can't tell you offhand where to find it, but I know there is a Sicha where the Rebbe goes into detail about why it's important for women nowadays to learn Torah and even Torah Shabalpeh, even Gemara. And all of that. But one of the reasons they gave to the Belzareba was the fact that nowadays women are going to university and they're studying all kinds of different things. And there are many, many women in the academic fields. And even though not in the academic fields, nowadays with the internet and everything, there's just so much knowledge all around. And non-Jewish philosophies are all around us. And so to not have women be able to learn Gemara, to not have Gemara be accessible to them is really a crime because it's like, just like we're learning here in the Tanya, it's like, um, instead of learning Gemara, it's not like women aren't learning Gemara, so they're just not learning anything. It's like they're not learning Gemara, but yet they're out there learning all these wisdoms, these philosophy, these non-Jewish philosophies in the world. So, uh, so, you know, if this is the case, we have to redirect their minds and we have to make sure that they're learning Jewish things, right? And so back to the Tanya of today. So the Tanya of today is talking about this idea that learning non-Jewish philosophies, being involved in non-Jewish philosophies is also a type of neglect of Torah study because instead of using, utilizing your mind for studying Torah, the person is utilizing their mind to study these non-Jewish philosophies, which is really not proper, right? And the Altar Rebbe says that in fact, this studying non-Jewish philosophies is actually a more, a, a greater type of neglect of Torah study than just chatting idly and talking about stupid things. Why? Why is it worse to actually go and, you know, learn about these f philosophical ideas? You would think that that might be better. It's more intellectual, right? So it's the fact that it's more intellectual that's more problematic because when we're engaged in just idle chatter and just like silly, frivolous kind of talk, then our emotions are involved. <clears throat> and specifically when we talk about our emotions, if you remember the elements that we spoke about 
the different elements that the animal soul draws on when it engages in behavior that's not uh, holy. So here we're talking about the element of the, of uh, ruach, the element of wind, right? Like you think about it like uh, empty, like when people say this person's full, full of hot air, it's like they're just talking and talking and there's no like substance to their talk. So that's, that's an emotional experience, um, which is indeed, you know, it's not great. It's not ideal, but it's, it's an emotional kind of thing. Um, but when a person is engaged in non-Jewish philosophy, then not only are they getting their emotions involved, but they're actually getting their minds involved also. They're getting their intellectual faculties involved. Um, not the case when you have, uh, you know, more common folk just speaking about silly, frivolous things. It's not an intellectual endeavor. So for them, their intellect is actually preserved, you know, um, which is kind of like why if you, if you think about it, maybe the altar doesn't say this, but this is sort of my deduction from all of this is that you often see that, uh, that intellectuals are often the ones that, uh, that have the most issues with God that are the most, that tend to be most, uh, anti-religious versus you can have sometimes people who are not necessarily the most intellectual kind of people and not necessarily involved in the most, uh, holy of endeavors and they kind of do have this kind of frivolous talk and stuff like that. Like they're, you know, not the highest IQ kind of people, but yet when it comes down to it, they believe in God. And when it comes down to it, they're, they're like, their, their head is on straight basically versus with intellectuals, there can be much more of a problem because in intellectuals, they've actually involved their mind in these chachmas, in these, these non-Jewish wisdoms. Um, and these non-Jewish wisdoms are sourced in Klipas Noga, which is, uh, that, the husks of Noga, and they fell in Shvirasa Kalim, in the, in the uh, shattering of the vessel. And so they can be thought of as being the Ahuraim of, of the Chochmah of Kedusha, the, the backside of the wisdom of the holy, of holy wisdom. So basically what the altar was teaching us here is that like, you know, perhaps one of the reasons why we're so drawn to these non-Jewish philosophies is because there is truth embedded in them. It's just that the truth fell and it became shattered. So it's not in a pure format. It's in such a way that it's like the backside of, uh, of, uh, true wisdom. Okay. And so that's, you know, that's why learning non-Jewish philosophies is like not so great. However, there's a little caveat here that the Alter Rebbe concludes with. And he says that it, we can use, so, so if you noticed, we said that the, what's the source of these non-Jewish wisdoms is in Klipas Noga. So yes, it's from Klipa, but it's from Klipas Noga. So Noga, if you remember, is that type of Klipa that is more neutral in a sense that it can go either way. Yes, we can bring it down and we can, we can, um, we, it can be used for negativity if it's used in an improper way, but there is a way to elevate it. It's not like the three impure clipos that cannot be elevated. So this is exactly what the altar Rebbe says. So the altar Rebbe says that if a person uses these wisdoms, uses these philosophies, like uh, as a, as an instrument, it's called a kardom, like an axe that you could cut with. So if, if it's used as a tool, uh, let's say, for example, in order to have a parnasa, like in order to make a living, you know, somebody who becomes a, a professor or becomes a doctor or something like that, and they need to study these non-Jewish philosophies in order to get there. Or if a person uses these philosophies in order to serve God or for God's, or to have a better understanding of God's Torah, then they're allowed, then it, then it's permissible. And that's actually a good thing. And we see that, that we see this was the case with the Rambam and the Ramban of blessed memory, as well as their colleagues, they were all involved in these non-Jewish philosophies. And it was for a holy purpose because it actually helped them to understand God, like through learning about astronomy, you know, it, it actually is a good way. It's, it, it can help us with figuring out the Jewish calendar, for example, 
or learning about electricity can be a good way to give us guidance on as to a lot. Ravana would have to know this in order to be able to tell us how Shabbos works and like what is, uh, you know, what we're allowed to use on Shabbos and whatnot in order to understand electricity. So basically there is room to study non-Jewish sciences. It's just we have to be careful with it and we have to make sure that we're doing it for the right reason. So that's the end of the section for today. So just to sum it all together. So once again, uh, today we're, we're focusing on this idea. I, I call this episode Rude Awakenings. It's this idea of how our souls get kind of messed up, get kind of dirty, accumulate some filth while we're down here in this world, in our lives. And at the end of a person's life, then there's in order for the soul to go back home, it has to go through a cleansing process. And we spoke about different types of cleansing process. We talked about the hollow of the sling, which happens in the case of idle chatter. So that's like if a person, again, is just involved in kind of like frivolous talk, then their soul goes through this process of being swung from one end to the other to see, you know, the truth of reality and then seeing the, the silliness of their, their words. We spoke about the Gehenum, uh, purgatory, which is something that people have to go through if um, if they speak about things that are actually Asar, like forbidden speech, like Lashon Hara or Leitanus, uh, again, which is translated to mean like scoffing or, or making fun of kind of thing. And then we spoke about this idea of Gehenom uh, Shalshelik, the the purgatory of snow, which is a type of purgatory that is that uh, that is necessary when there's like a sin of neglect, which in this case we spoke of as being somebody who neglects to use their time to study Torah and instead in, is involved in idle chatter, even though they have the capacity to study Torah. And then we concluded with this idea of like a specific instance of neglecting to study Torah, which instead a person utilizes to study the philosophies of the nations, the non-Jewish philosophies, which again, it is okay in certain instances if we if we do it, if we use use these non-Jewish philosophies, if there's, if we're using it in order to um, make a parnasa, in order to make a living, so we need to learn about these things, or if we're using it in order to have a deeper understanding of God and the Torah, that's okay. But to just study non-Jewish philosophies and for their own sake is really problematic because it gets our head enmeshed in uh, in the klupas and not just our emotions, which would be the case with other things. So basically, uh, in conclusion, I think one, just on that last point, I think one way to think about it is there's a famous saying, I don't know the source of it, but there's a famous saying where it says like, tamin, tamin. So if there's wisdom amongst the nations, yes, you should believe that there is wisdom amongst the nations, but is there Torah amongst the nations? No, there is not Torah amongst the nations. So meaning to say that learning non-Jewish philosophy, as long as we sort of keep it at like a distance and we understand it for what it is, and we don't look to it for guidance and get too involved in it, then it can be okay if we use it for the right reasons in order to help us make a living or in order to have a deeper appreciation of God. Uh, but otherwise, we should stay away from it. So that's it for today. And we will continue tomorrow when we move on to chapter nine. And I will speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Avraham Yitzhak Ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Taught project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter 
looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow. And until then, have a great day.